When you're smiling. Hey, you. Bubbly sparkling water is crisp, refreshing, and perfect for any occasion. Kind of like my voice, but in a can. No calories, no sweeteners, all smiles. Bubbly. Crack a smile. Hello, movie lovers. Welcome to the Best Damn Movie Related Show here on the internet. This show is, as always, from Movie Television Night, John DiGiorgio. And it's just an honor and a privilege to be able to talk about movies in front of a virtual watercolor. For today's podcast, I'm going to be talking about the Birds of Prey movie. This is going to be a non-spoiler review, so sit back and listen to what I have to say about that. Then I'm going to be talking about Sam Raimi. He's in talks to direct Doctor Strange 2. Elijah Wood wants to reinvent Nightmare on Elm Street. And then there's also the Spiral teaser trailer that dropped. This is actually Chris Rock's movie that he directed and produced and he, he's even starring in with Samuel L. Jackson this is the new adaptation of Saw the new reinvention of Saw so we're going to talk about that and then of course we're going to go on ahead and talk about Ben Affleck's movie The Way Back this is going to be a trailer that I winded up checking out and I winded up liking it so maybe we'll go, we'll go on ahead and talk about that and then Lock and Key th- that show dropped over the weekend, it's actually based off of a comic book ba- by Stephen King's son, Joe Hill. So, let's go ahead and talk about Birds of Prey for a minute. So, Birds of Prey is about Harley Quinn. Harley Quinn and the Joker actually broke up. And, you know, with her being attached to the Joker for so long and being in a relationship with the Joker for so long, she has immunity within that whole entire city where she can pretty much do anything she wants because she's with the Joker. And then... You actually have this whole entire scene where she winds up crashing this truck into Ace Chemicals, which is based off of where the relationship where her and Joker's relationship started from. And I thought that was actually pretty cool how she winded up trying to break up with him through that way and making it publicly known that her and the Joker are actually officially over with. And then you also have the other characters in this movie. That is really pretty good, but some some characteristics and everything else, not so much. But I'll get to the, my negativities in a few minutes. But, you know, then, of course, you actually have this other character who's a pickpocket. And she so happens to be, she pickpockets the wrong person, which is Black Mass's um, right-hand man. And when she pickpockets him, it puts a mark on her back. And not only that, but even Harley Quinn, after she winds up crashing the uh, truck into Ace Chemicals, and she made it known that she's over with with the Joker and everything, she doesn't have that immunity anymore. So therefore, everybody in Gotham's after her. Everybody's in in Gotham's actually after uh, the pickpocket girl. And now it's about survival. Now it's about these two characters actually trying to survive and everything else. Now... What I have to say is this. I love the action sequences when they were there and everything. The action sequences was probably the most standout thing that I actually saw in this movie. Like, for instance, you actually see Harley Quinn trying to break out the girl, the pickpocket girl, out of jail. And there's a scene where she has this whole entire thing where with glitter and she made these grenade rounds and stuff like that. And she's shooting it. It's very colorful. It's very. It's actually pretty cool. The fight scenes and the choreography was really good and really stand out on that part. And I also have to say, too, even when the water sprinklers were going on and everything. And Harley Quinn's doing her thing where she's actually 
fighting and everything else, like I said, the action sequences really stand out. Not only that, but even the chase sequences as well. And they have these really wide shots that actually makes you experience the whole entire action sequence. And that's what that's another positive that I actually liked about that. It's because sometimes some action sequences, they don't really allow you to show the whole view. It only allows you to a certain point of seeing what only like a small portion of that what that view actually is. But they actually expand on that. And that's actually pretty cool on how they actually expanded that uh, how they did that whole entire wide shot to where you can actually see what's actually going on. And, you know, there's actually, to me, when I was watching it, there's actually a scene where she's actually on some roller skates and she's actually trying to take Black Mask down. And it kind of reminded me of a little bit of Back to the Future kind of vibe to it where she's, where Marty McFly's on the hoverboard or on the skateboard too. And he's trying to stop Biff. And I thought that was actually pretty cool on that aspect a little bit because I actually felt like it was a little bit of a nod to Back to the Future, but not really. But that's just how I viewed it. Then another thing, too, that I really have to say is she's still a knockout with her playing as Harley Quinn. The accent is still there. If you were kind of didn't really care for her and you felt like that maybe the accent wasn't there with Suicide Squad, it's definitely there. It's actually the strongest thing in the movie. It actually makes you feel like that she is Harley Quinn. Not only that, but the stuff that she does is a very Harley Quinn Quinnish things that she actually does. What I mean by that is when you go on ahead and you look at her humor and what's going on in her head, and I'm going to get to that in a minute. And then you know another thing too is the. It actually is a pretty balanced movie in a a certain aspect of it. Because here's the thing. You don't have these choppy scenes like you did in Suicide Squad. Where you know that the studio is actually tampered with the direction of the movie in itself or anything like that. And what I mean by too choppy. Let's say that one character is doing something over here. To where you can actually care about what this character is doing. And all of a sudden they move over to another thing. With this on the other hand... Everything that you wanted from this movie, everything that was in the trailer was in the movie. Nothing was cut out of the movie, so that was actually a positive right there. The choppiness, it didn't happen in this movie. Not a positive. But what I didn't like was the fact that, you know, there's actually a couple of things here that I'm going to get into. Number one is the characterization of the characters that was actually weak. The dialogue and the flow of the characters and the way they actually set everything up. I really didn't really care for that at all on the way that they actually did Black Mask. And I don't care if it was flamboyant or anything like that. I don't care the fact that he was gay. That stuff didn't really bother me. What bothered me was the fact that I wanted a villain that I can actually feel like that he's actually someone to fear because he's a villain. And of course, I also wanted layers to that villain and everything. And I didn't get that. He's very one-dimensional when you look at Roman. And Roman... Black and he's also that's actually his real name is Roman, but you act, his other name is Black Mask. And whenever you see Black Mask, he's basically just an asshole. That's all he is. He's just an asshole who does mean things to other people. And you know, I really wanted him to stand out as a villain, and I wanted him to actually shine in this. And I just didn't really feel like this is someone that he should fear. I really don't. I really feel like, yeah, he, okay, he cuts off people's faces, and that's it. And then, of course, he's a womanizer as well, 
because of the stuff that he winds up doing to this one character gets makes her get on the table and wants her to take off the dress because he doesn't like to dress because she was also disrespecting him in the club and stuff like that and here's the thing we've seen that over and over again to the point where it's actually just a paint by your numbers kind of villain to where i didn't really feel feel any fear within himself or anything like that i wanted to actually feel like you know why why are people afraid of roman why are people afraid of black mask when joker's the prince of crime and those that's he's the most fair person in gotham and roman is supposed to be maybe second to that person that you're supposed to fear in gotham but I really didn't feel like he was someone that I should actually fear or anything like that. And him, like I said, his dialogue is very bad in this movie uh, to the point, not on like Mr. Freeze level kind of bad, but and he do, it's just out of place in certain areas. And it's hard for me to actually get there without spoiling anything. But if you see the movie, you'll understand where I'm coming from with this but I just didn't really feel like the overall thing with his character was someone that I should actually fear. And then another thing, too, is the team up with Harley Quinn and everybody else, too. That doesn't come out until like later on in the movie, which is fine. But here's the thing. In Harley Quinn's mind, this is what I wanted to talk about before, was it's kind of cool in a, in a certain aspect though that they actually did this kind of like a Deadpool they did kind of like a Deadpool kind of feel to it and what I mean by that is that she, when she goes into the jail cell and everything you wind up she winds up stopping it for a minute and she goes you know what before this happened let's take you back about 15 minutes before this actually happened and that's what uh, kind of like what a Deadpool kind of feel to it actually is and you know I really thought that maybe they would actually just go on ahead and give us the details before they did any of that. But overall, when she actually does that, it didn't really pull me out of the movie at all or anything like that. It's just that I was expecting it to go one way, but instead it went a certain other way. But, you know, it winded up doing the character justice in a certain aspect because of the fact that we are actually diving into Harley Quinn's mind. And if that's how her mind actually works, then... I'm okay with that because it's kind of like where she's like scatterbrained all over the place. And if you also too, if you're not used to that time of thing where you're actually going back a few hours later or a few minutes later and she's talking into the uh, breaking the wall aspect, you're going to be totally lost in this movie. But anyway, she does the whole entire breaking the wall thing, goes back where Black Canary is trying to look out for the pickpocket girl who ends up... Uh, robbing Victor, uh, Victor Zaz, which is also, of course, Black Mass's right-hand man, and like I said, that's also what causes, uh, Black Mass to go on ahead and try and go after her, because she has his diamond, and, you know, that's another thing, too, the plot is very weak at that point, because of the fact that we've seen this, we've seen this before, we've seen where, you have villains that get robbed of having a diamond and then you actually have to go on ahead and try and get the character to bring back the diamond or there's certain and to me i really didn't want to see the same type of plot line i'd much rather it be where okay harley quinn went on ahead she pissed off a few people and all the gangsters everybody's after her and that's it 
I was expecting that kind of thing, but with him doing the diamond and stuff like that, I didn't really mind that because of the fact that the chemistry between Harley and the pit pocket girl actually worked out pretty well to the fact that it ends up playing out pretty well. And what I mean by that is it's kind of like Harley Quinn has like a little sidekick sitting next to her and everything and has like a little crazy daughter, if you will, a little Asian Chinese daughter sitting next to her. They're watching cartoons, they're bonding. The hyena loves her. And that's another thing too. She, whenever the, her and the Joker breaks up, she winds up getting this hyena. And I have to say the humor in it and everything else is that works itself out pretty well in certain, uh, certain points. But the dialogue flow, the way the characters actually carry themselves and stuff like that, is just something that wasn't the strongest in this movie, but the action sequences actually carried itself out. The other thing that I have to say is, besides the black mask was over the top and um, and stuff like that, was the fact that the once you get down to the ending, and let me just tell you this, there's actually a tip of the hat to Penguin. You actually get to see other uh, things in Gotham that actually represents Arkham... Uh, the Arkham video game as well. And there is a tip of the hat to Penguin. Which is actually pretty cool. Because you actually see a little uh, tip of the hat. But the ending was very anticlimactic. To the point where I'm like, okay, they just did that. And that was kind of rushed. And like I said, this is a non-spoiler review. So I can't really get into what they actually did at the very end of this film. Once the big climax actually happens. And I'm like, that's it? That's all that you did was do that to that character. And I don't know. It made me feel like that they... uh, It felt very empty to me. It just felt flat. It really didn't do anything for me. Then another thing, too, is with the Huntress, and then you also have the Black Canary and stuff like that. that, Like I said before, they don't come in until the very end of this. But Huntress has the most... I'm going to be honest with you, has the best back background with the origin and everything. And you know what? She was actually explored on Arrow in the Arrowverse. And I really liked her character in the Arrowverse versus this version of Huntress. Because we actually got the feel of what her character actually is in the Arrowverse. And we actually know where she comes from. And in this one, yeah, we actually got to see her origin play out in flashbacks. But I would like to actually see that play out onto the big screen and what i mean by her origin story is is the fact that this mob mafia mafioso guy kill, uh, kills her family and then one of the bodyguards winds up uh letting his own family take her in from sicily and she's hiding out in sicily she's taking down these guys and to get revenge on the uh on the italian mob boss that actually killed their family so i really like that fact that they actually put that in there but i wanted it to be more of the fact you know where huntress is actually telling her own or origin story rather than harley quinn telling huntress's origin story but you know it is what it is but another thing too is you actually have another uh person that's actually in this movie and you know and that person is renee montoya and renee montoya is a police captain or no no a detective i'm sorry and basically she's also another one of those characters that don't really have a lot of layers to her or anything like that she basically lets the captain of the police station of the police station everything run over same thing with the guys as well with the police officers and stuff like that 
And, you know, as a matter of fact, that used to be her old police detective partner, and he winds up taking the credit for everything that she has done. And I really wanted her to rise above all that and everything and actually take control of her whole entire career. And I wanted her to be a standout because I was actually rooting for her for something to actually happen with that. But, you know, that was something that didn't really happen in this movie at all. And like I said, there is a there's a lot of positivities versus negativities about this film. I really have to say I had a good time watching Birds of Prey. But dialogue fell apart for me. The characterization wasn't there for the movie. And as for the soundtrack itself, it actually is very fitting with the movie. And I have to say it's really good. So tell me what you guys think. Did you like Birds of Prey? What didn't you like Birds of Prey? I'd like to know. Another thing, too, is we're going to go on ahead and go into the Sam Raimi and talks to direct Doctor Strange 2. Now, if anybody doesn't know this, Sam Raimi actually directed... Spider-Man 2, and he also directed Spider-Man 3, and, you know, I've always said this, I think that Sam Raimi is a great director, I think he's an awesome director, when it comes down to him directing The Evil Dead, and he, and also Ash versus Evil Dead, and then a couple of other things, because he actually knows what he's doing as opposed with horror movies and stuff like that, and I think that he's actually a good fit for Doctor Strange 2, and not only that, but I think people are ready to actually forgive him for the giant mess of Part 3 and everything. I think that having Doctor, him doing Doctor Strange 2 it would, it would actually elevate him to be able to bring out the horror element. Because don't forget, he, we're actually being introduced to Nightmare. And Nightmare is actually the eater of worlds, the eater of dreams, and stuff like that. And if he's able to captivate that, if he's able to bring that level of horror aspect into this movie, I'm all for it. I'm all for Sam Raimi actually coming back to direct another Marvel movie. And a matter of fact, you know, I'm going to be honest with you. The the second, the first two Spider-Mans were really good. Spider-Man 2, I'm going to be honest with you now, it hasn't aged well throughout time. Especially when you're looking at all the other Spider-Man movies and stuff like that. But for during its time, it was actually a pretty good movie. And then part three comes along, and I think he was just at the time where he was actually fatigued of Spider-Man to the point where, you know, he just wanted to get this movie over with, so he just crammed as much stuff as he could in this movie, and that's how we got the giant mess of what we got with Spider-Man. <clears throat> but Doctor Strange 2 is something that I'm actually looking forward to. Brother Voodoo's going to be in it. And, you know, I don't know who would be a good actor to play Brother Voodoo. I would love Idris Alba to be Brother Voodoo. I think he would actually bring out a good level of it. But I don't know if he would actually want to do that since he actually played in Thor. But overall, I think that, you know, Sam Raimi would be a great director to go ahead and direct a Doctor Strange 2 movie. And especially, too, with, I think he might be able to flesh out a lot more layers to these to certain characters. I think that he's going to make it to where it's not going to be really convoluted or anything like that. I think he's actually going to follow through whatever he's going to follow through with. Not only that, but Kevin Feige and him are actually pretty good friends. So I think that if Kevin winds up giving you the creative control that he actually needs to make a certain movie, I think he's actually going to shine in this movie. So we're just going to have to wait and see what a Doctor Strange 2 actually looks like if Sam Raimi is going to take the reins of Doctor Strange. So there's that. Elijah Wood actually wants to reinvent Nightmare on Elm Street. 
And here's the thing. I'm actually excited at the fact that Elijah Wood actually wants to take in consideration of making another Nightmare on Elm Street movie. Because it has been since 2010, since we got the remake of the Nightmare on Elm Street movie. And I'm just going to be honest with you. That movie wasn't good at all. The dialogue was re- really wasn't there. The chemistry between the characters wasn't there at all. And that also goes to the fact that the catheterization factor that I mentioned in Birds of Prey. That wasn't there at all with this movie at all. And I really didn't feel like these kids were someone that I would want to actually feel like that to be feared at the fact that they're actually scared. And I didn't really care for the actor playing Freddy Cougar or anything like that. I didn't like the makeup effects. I didn't like anything about that movie. So with Elijah Wood wanting to do a take on it, I'm all for it. Because here's the thing. We have Jordan Peele who's producing a new Candyman movie. We have... Uh, Chris Rock, that's act- like, I'm going to talk about that in a few minutes, where he's actually reinventing Saw. And now we have Elijah Wood, who last year said that he would be great to actually want to do a another Nightmare on Elm Street movie. And I'm okay with him wanting to do another reinvention of Nightmare on Elm Street. But of course, he has to wait until he gets the approval and blessing from the Craven's estate before he can actually do that. But even Robert England himself said he would be okay with returning one more time as Freddy. We actually got to see him in, on a TV show recently with him playing Freddy Cougar. And, you know, I really would love for him to actually play Freddy Cougar one more time just to redeem what was lost in that 2010 film. And then, of course, you can go on ahead and do whatever you want. I think Elijah Wood is a great actor. I haven't seen him do anything with direction style or anything like that but if Elijah Wood is passionate about doing what he wants to do with Freddy Cougar and if depending on what kind of reinventing that he wants to do with it I'm okay with it and only that but I know some people don't like remakes don't like reinventing anything or anything like that but here's the thing just because they may remake a movie and just because that remake is not that great it doesn't get your DVD of that movie is not going to disappear and and also disappear off that rack. Like Thanos snapping his finger and all of a sudden Nightmare on Elm Street's off your rack because of the fact that the remake sucked. No, you can still watch the original version in its full context and everything and enjoy the movie for what it is. So that's just how I feel about Elijah Wood directing that movie. Not only that, but here's the thing. Everybody's all for Jordan Peele producing this new um, Candyman movie. Everybody's all for Chris Rock doing this spiral Saw movie. But you wouldn't believe the number of hate that I actually seen when people saw when I saw people respond to the fact that Elijah Wood has a new take on Nightmare on Elm Street, and the hate level is just unbelievable. It's like okay, so. Let me get this straight. I actually had to break myself out and do this. It's like, okay, it's okay for these two people to right here in this corner to reinvent something. But I understand that Freddy Krueger is a huge icon. So is Candyman. And so is John Kramer from the Saw movies. And the Saw movies in itself is a huge thing. But... You know, you can always have room to reinvent something to make it established well. And you're actually being hypocritical to the fact that, 
oh no, do not touch this, but these movies right here are okay for you to touch. No. To me, go on ahead, do what you have to do, make a good movie, and we'll go out and see it. That's just that simple. But anyways, like I said, the spiral, like I said, the Elijah Wood wants to reinvent Nightmare on Street. Go on ahead, man. Reinvent it. Do what you guys have to do. I'm going to go on ahead and check it out. I'm going to step my, uh, I'm going to go on ahead, stuff my face with some popcorn, enjoy the movie for what it is, and hopefully I wind up liking it. So there's that. So now I'm going to be talking about the spiral uh, teaser trailer. This is actually what I was talking about before with the Saw movie. And that's actually what they're, being, they're going to be calling it is Spiral, the Book of Saw. And what I liked about it was the fact that it actually feels like the movie with Denzel Washington in it. And, you know, where you actually have the cop and every, where two cops are talking and everything else. Where you actually have Chris Rock talking to his partner and stuff like that. And what I liked about it was the chemistry between him and his partner. And they're both talking to each other. It reminds me very much of that movie with Denzel Washington in it. And, you know, and I really have to say, I think that it was that part. That's right. It's actually training day is what I'm thinking of. And the chemistry between... Chris Rock and his partner actually does remind me of Training Day in a certain sense because of the humor that's in there and stuff like that. And then, of course, you know, once they actually get the call to come down to this one spot crime scene, that's when the Saw music starts playing. It actually does feel like a Saw movie. And that's what I was mainly afraid of was the fact, is this movie just going to feel like a Saw spinoff without any um, Saw themes or anything like that? But it actually feels like and looks like a Saw movie. And it actually looks fantastic. And it even has that whole entire classic thing where they have the little hand saws and everything to where they actually have to saw themselves out of this room and everything else. It's like the first film. So there's that part. Then Samuel L. Jackson, I don't care what anybody says. I just want him to say, do you want to play a game, motherfucker? That's all I want to hear him say. And I was waiting for him to say that, but he didn't say that. He goes... Uh, you want to, instead he said something else in the trailer, but it was still kind of the same concept of what I was expecting. And I really love that whole entire, that one part. But anyways, um, what else I have to say is this, um, with the spiral teaser trailer, it was everything that I really was hoping for. I actually felt like there was a new spin as far as the teaser trailer goes, I really think that Chris Rock is actually going to bring it with this whole entire new concept of this horror film. Then, of course, you know, Samuel L. Jackson being in it, I'm all for it. So let's see what they're going to actually do with this Saw movie. So the next thing I'm going to be talking about is Lock and Key. Lock and Key, like I mentioned before, is based off a Joe Hill comic book. And it has a very unique kind of feel to it. It actually does feel like a Stephen King type of feel. And what I mean by that is, you know, you have these kids that move into this family that moves into this house after their father winds up being killed by this guy. And the guy winds up being arrested and they move into this mansion. And this mansion has different keys. Different keys do different things in this mansion. And now it's up to these kids to survive against this well lady who wants the keys. And she can actually pretty much transport herself into anything that she wants and stuff like that. She's actually a shape, like a shapeshifter, but she needs the key to actually shapeshift herself 
and everything. And of course, she already has that key already. But anyways, I think that this thing is actually fantastic, though. I think that this show, the writing for it is really good. I think that the strongest point was actually having Georgie, the kid who played Georgie in the Stephen King's It movie, was a really good standout because it actually gives you a little bit of a tip of the hat that, you know, he was actually good for the uh, Stephen King adaptation of It. So they went on ahead and used the kid for this movie, not this movie, but this TV show. And this this show is just fantastically well written. And I haven't read the comic book or anything like that, but I asked one of my friends that actually read the comic books. And he said, yeah, they are, they did stick closely to the comic book and everything. They they did uh, stick to the source material. And it's very entertaining on how these characters are actually going to show up and how they're actually going to take care of things. And, you're actually, and another thing, too, is the dialogue with the characters, the characterization and everything else flows really, very well. You can actually tell that the brother and sister are actually brother and sister. Same thing with the little brother, Georgie. You actually care about these characters. You actually care about if they, these characters are actually going to make it out of this house alive with this, and if the, this well lady is actually going to take all these keys from them to the point where she's going to be doing whatever she feels like doing. And then, of course, you actually have the mother in this movie who lost her husband. She's dealing with that. And you can actually tell that the mother is in pain. You can actually tell this family is in pain. And then they actually have to have to go out and try to, you know, put themselves out there again to for other people to care about them. And also, too, for them to actually grow relationships and have friends and stuff like that. So I really like that part. It actually feels real. It doesn't feel like... It's just a cartoon version of another character or anything like that. It actually feels real to the point where you can actually feel something towards that character. And that's something that I really wanted to actually feel. I wanted to feel some type of emotional attachment to these characters. I really, wa- I really want to actually feel scared when those characters are actually scared. And I actually feel all of that in this show. The writing is fantastic. I'm only like nine... Get this, there's... The show dropped Friday. I'm already on episode 9. So chances is I'll probably be doing a whole entire spoiler review and everything later on. But for what I saw, this show is fantastic. If you haven't checked this out, I strongly recommend that you check out Lock and Key. Like I said before, the characters, you can you actually care about the characters. The plot setup is really good. It's a perfect blend of horror and also fantasy as well because you're dealing with these keys and each key does different things inside the house and everything too so you know it's a really good well-executed tv show for the most part so check that out when you guys can and now i'm going to be talking about my the last topic i'm going to be talking about is called the way back the way back is a trailer starring ben affleck and basically he's dealing with alcoholism in this movie he's an alcoholic and i like the fact too that you know ben is actually using certain elements of stuff that he's actually been faced with whenever he was dealing with alcoholism and stuff like that and and is also trying to get sober and everything else because his wife winds up winded up seeing a bunch of crates and stuff like that in this magazine article and she said okay those are wine are wine crates. I'm going to go ahead and get my husband the help that he actually deserves. 
So she winds up getting in the help. So I want, I like that aspect that, you know, he's actually using something that he was battling with in this movie to tell the story of this character in this trailer. Anyways, he's dealing with alcoholism. He's dealing with depression. He's dealing with a lot of stuff. And then all of a sudden this uh, coach comes in and goes, look, I have a job for you. I want you to coach this basketball team. We haven't won this ba- a single basketball game or a single tournament since you actually left. And, you know, I love movies that actually brings out hope with a character. And especially whenever they're in their darkest times and they're actually battling with something. And then all of a sudden, maybe something at the very end of the road will be a big light. And they can come out of that darkness and... He can the character can actually realize that maybe this is not what I want now. This I'm coaching a team that needs to actually get along with each other. I need to actually focus on what's in front of me and not this anymore. And that's what I actually liked about the trailer was the fact that you know you had these. The problem wasn't the fact that the kids didn't. The problem was the kids don't trust each other or anything enough to on the court. Or anything like that for them to actually win a single basketball game. Then, of course, you actually have Ben Affleck battling with the the fact that he can't cuss or anything like that. And he said, hey, I'm working on it. And the uh, assistant basketball coach goes, well, you need to go on ahead and work on that a little bit longer. I thought it had a lot of heart in this trailer. I felt like that Ben Affleck actually brought his A game into this trailer. I liked him in Argo. I liked him in other movies. Ben Affleck is one of those actors that I can watch just about anything in him in. So, I think this movie will actually be a pretty good, decent film whenever it does come out. But anyways, that's going to do it for me for today. I hope you guys enjoyed the podcast. And until next time, bye-bye.